Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuhu. This is Abdul Nasser Jengda, and you're listening to the Qalam Podcast. The Qalam Podcast has become an important part of people's lives all around the world. There are millions of people benefiting from the podcast every single day. Thousands of hours of content, dozens of different series from all the different teachers and scholars here at Qalam. All of this is delivered to the community free of charge. We are excited and actively working to grow and increase our efforts to deliver more and more benefit to the community. We ask you to support our efforts and become part of the Qalam family. Please go to qalamfamily.com and sign up to contribute to this Sadaqa Jariya on a monthly basis. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us Jazakumullahu khairan wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. All right, Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Rabbi Shrahi Sadri wa Sadri Amri wa Hlul Ukhretam Nisani. Yafkahu Kali Rabbi Zidni Ilma Rabbi Zidni Ilma Rabbi Zidni Ilma. Welcome back to Purification of the Heart. Alhamdulillah, sorry for the delay. Just, I guess, it's not um, a Muslim session unless you are late. Okay? So for those of you who don't know, Purification of the Heart is a series that we started here at Kalam. It's a once-a-month series that we'll be doing every uh, one Saturday out of the month. So at this time, particularly probably going to be in this place for some time, inshallah. And we have been covering different aspects of bettering oneself. That's the whole point of Purification of the Heart. It's for you to do better. It's for you to be able to be a better Muslim. It's for you to be able to be a better person to your family, a better person to yourself, a better person to God, a better person to Allah. So we are here, and this is kind of the purpose of why we are, we've started this particular series. So Allah SWT, he says in the Quran, in Surah Ali Imran, لَقَدْ اللَّهُ عَلَى الْمُؤْمِنِينَ إِذْ بَعَثَ فِيهِمْ رَسُولًا مِنْ أَنفُسِهِمْ that Allah SWT has truly favored, okay? God showed, bestowed favor, he bestowed blessing, okay? He made it like a ni'mah, something that is like, you know, a blessing is something you didn't necessarily expect, but you get it. Does that make sense? You know, it is the light in the midst of like darkness, it's the light in the midst of the time of difficulty. So Allah says, that God has bestowed favor on those who believe. When he sent to, from amongst them a messenger. And this messenger, his job, what he did was that he was to recite the verses unto them, where you key him and to purify them, where you kitaba and to teach them the book, well hikmah and the wisdom. And the interesting thing about this is that the book is talking about the Quran, which is the divine book that Allah SWT has sent down as a means of guidance for us. And then he says that well you kitaba well hikmah, teach them the book and teach them the wisdom. Right? And the reason why that's being said here is because someone can have a lot of knowledge about something, but not be wise about it, right? You ever met a know-it-all? Does anybody like a know-it-all? No, because they just feel like they have to always tell you what they know. But when someone is wise, then you learn later on in their life, oh, that person knows a lot, right? You learn later on in your life as you think back to the things that they're saying, oh, that person's really smart later but what you realize first and foremost is their wisdom so he says well you zaki him well you 
they taught from the book Walhikma and the wisdom. When they were before in clear misguidance, like they were lost. Now, the big part that we're focusing on today is what you said, and he purifies them. What it means is that the Prophet he was sent to us as a means of purification or a road for us to help teach us how to purify ourselves, how to be better. How to, you know, there are innate qualities and characteristics that Allah has given us, that God has given us. And our responsibility and objective is to make those characteristics either better or to like make them better or to acquire them. Right. You ever seen somebody that's like really generous and maybe you don't have that particular quality. So you wish, man, I wish I was a generous person. So you work on acquiring that. These are the different characteristics that we have here. So today, the disease that we're going to be covering, the disease of the heart that we're going to spend time covering, it is called anger. Okay? In Arabic, we say that this is ghadab. And ghadab is the opposite of being pleased or feeling like you're pleased with something. Okay? Ghadab is the opposite of feeling like you're pleased with something. Imam Ghazali, if you want to stay, you can, by the way. You're more than welcome. You're more than welcome. Imam al-Ghazali, who is a, um, who's a scholar in the 11th century, he talks a lot about different things that you should do to make yourself a better person, okay? He talks a lot about different things that we should focus on, different ways we should focus on those things, and why it's important. So Imam al-Ghazali, the way that he translates, or you would say um, explains anger, he says that anger is the rising of the blood in the heart of the person with the intention of retaliation. Why? Because the natural, you know, natural anger that someone feels, that's natural. There's nothing wrong with that. Because if you're not angry, and we're going to talk about this a little bit, that makes you a little bit of a strange person. Make sense? It makes you a little bit of a strange person. So he said, he asked that aspect of retaliation. Why? Because when someone's upset, they feel like somebody's wronged them, and they want to do that wrong to that person. Right? So nobody gets into an argument, and they're upset, and then they just say just that. They always go take it where? Too far. They always do things that cause like trouble. They always do things that may cause that person to feel some type of way. So Imam al-Ghazali, he says that anger, it is ghadab, it is where the, there is the, the intention of retaliation. It is something that is typically considered to be something that is not pleasurable. Like it's not praiseworthy. Okay. Now, there are narrations that point to the only time that having a level of, of anger is praiseworthy is when it comes to like defending different aspects of Allah, right? Someone talks bad about your religion, you should be angry. Someone talks bad about your parents, you should, you should get angry. Like, you should have that level of upsetness, but you have to understand how do you deal with it, okay? So Imam Ghazali, he further breaks down anger into three types. He breaks down anger into three types. The first one, he says, is tafrit, right? Tafrit is someone who does not get angry a lot, or ever, actually. It's, it actually means like the absence of anger. And this is something that people may think is an honorable quality. They may say that, you know what? I'm the type of person that never gets upset. I never get mad. And that's like, they pride themselves on that. Imam al-Shafi, he says that a person who does not get angry and they're supposed to, okay? A person that's supposed to feel angry and they're supposed to feel upset and they do not get angry, they do not get upset, that this person should consider themselves a donkey. Yeah, that's what he says. 
He says, such a human being is a donkey. Why? Because that's a natural emotion. And it's something that you should have. And when someone wrongs you, and someone does something wrong to someone else that you love, you should be upset about it, right? And we see this. We see that the Prophet there will be situations that things will occur, things will come arise, and the Prophet would exhibit a level of anger. Now, it's about how you go about that anger, and we'll talk about that, but the Prophet did exhibit it. He wasn't somebody that would be angry all the time, you know, and he wasn't someone that was like, he would say 95% of the time he was chill. There were not many things that made him upset, but there were things that made him upset. The second type that Imam al-Ghazali talks about is that he says, if, if wrath, okay? If wrath is a type of anger where someone is constantly upset, every little thing makes them upset. Every time something happens, they get mad, right? And what they say about this is that it's, it's where someone is uprooted from their foundation. Your foundation may be your faith, right? It's Islam, your faith, your belief in God. It can be your, your roots in terms of like your logic and your thinking and being able to like, you know, logic your way through something. It can be your worship, something that gives, keeps you grounded. And what anger does, and when somebody that gets angry a lot, is that they, exact, they basically explode all the time. So they're not rooted in anything. And the nature of this type of person is that shaitan is constantly and consistently getting the best of them. That's the nature of it. That shaitan, the devil, he's constantly and consistently getting the best of them. And some people have anger management issues as well, and they should go and seek help for that, and we'll talk about it. But it's important to realize that this is a degree. It's a type of dimension or degree of anger. The last one is where we are meant to be as believers. This is called etidav. Itidal means to be balanced, okay? It means to be balanced. It means that you exhibit your natural emotion. Someone does something to you, they do something wrong, but you, and you get upset, but there's a way that you deal with it. You know how to handle it. And you don't get upset over every little thing. Someone steps on your foot, you're not ready to fight, you know? I know we're in the South, so we have Southern hospitality here. So our fighting is like, sweetheart, move now, you know, okay? But someone does something to you and you know when it is appropriate to be upset and when it's appropriate to let go, right? And this is because Allah SWT says that we are ummatan wasata. We are the ummah, we're the nation, we're the people that are in the middle. We tread the middle path. We're never too excessive on one end, nor are we too excessive on the other end. And so the Prophet Sallam, you find that there are situations in his lifetime, things that occurred, and they, objectively speaking, someone would say that you should be angry about it, and he wasn't, right? There's a narration, a very famous narration, that talks about when a Bedouin came from the outskirts of Medina, and the Prophet was sitting in the crowd, he's sitting there with, uh, with uh, Abu Bakr Siddiq and Omar bin Khattab, and the Bedouin comes, this villager, because this is how villagers are, they don't know how to act in the city, Right? So they, he comes and he says, where'd you get your shawl from? He's like yelling at the Prophet And the Prophet didn't say anything. And then he holds him so tight by his shawl that it creates a mark in his neck. And the Prophet does not get upset. But Umar bin Khattab gets upset. And he's like, you better put him down. And the Prophet says, no, leave him. It's okay. But why doesn't the Prophet get upset? Why? Because this is a villager. Like expecting him to know how to interact in the city and like social... 
you just call Bedouins like socially awkward in that way, right? They'll do things that is just not okay. And the process system is not getting upset about that. But you have other situations where the process system did get upset. And we'll talk about that. But in this, you the way that the process system teaches also his companions, you see them similarly exhibit this level or this way of being balanced. So for example, there's a time when the Prophet وسلم, he went to Ali his home. And he was going to visit Ali and Fatima. Okay? These are his, this is his basically his son-in-law and his daughter. And when he goes there, Fatima tells him that Ali was not there, that he had stepped out. And this wasn't normal. So the Prophet if he's going to visit them, that obviously he knows that both of them are there at this time, and that's why he went to visit. So it wasn't normal, it was a little bit abnormal. So what happens is that the Prophet he inquires, and he says, where's Ali? And when he says, where's Ali, then Fatima says that we got into an argument, and in this argument, Ali got upset and he left. So the Prophet told the companions, go and find Ali. So the companions went and they were searching for him. They came back and they said, Ya Rasulullah, we looked in the marketplace and we looked in all these other places and we couldn't find him. So the Prophet went to the masjid. When he went to the masjid, he found Ali laying on the floor and he had like dirt on his head. And the reason why he had dirt on his head is because the masjid, the Prophet's masjid, the floor was dirt. Okay, so they didn't really have a floor. The floor was made out of, like it had dirt on it, basically. So the Prophet then said to him, Ya Aba Turab. This is that famous narration. He says, Oh, father of dirt, basically like joking with him, trying to lighten the mood. And after that moment, Ali would tell people that you should refer to me as father of dirt <laughs> because the Prophet called me that. And I like he made, gave him a sense of, uh, of, of like, um, it gave him a sense of honor. It made him feel good, right? And Ali radiallahu anhu, the Prophet obviously inquires, and Ali radiallahu tells him that I left because this is something that, this is the way that I deal with it, right? Because when you're in a state of, of upsetness and you're in a state of anger, you could say something that you regret. You could say something that you don't mean. You could say a feeling that you had maybe one time about somebody, right? You're upset maybe one time in, their, in your life, you may have not liked that person. But since you're mad, you're like, I never liked you anyway. I don't, I don't even like the way you look. Look at how you dress. Look at your car. Like you're saying all these things about a person that maybe you felt one time. So in that moment, what is it, what is it better to do? Just walk away. It's better to walk away. And what the Ali radiallahu ta'ala do? He walked away. There was another time when Ali radiallahu ta'ala he was fighting in the battlefield. And you would say objectively that fighting in the battlefield, you know, is it a time to have like a little bit of, yeah, yes, like a little bit of, I don't know how to say it, but raw rawness, I guess that's the best way to put it, right? Huh? Aggression. There you go. Yeah, see, I knew you would have the words. So it's a time to have a little bit of aggression. So Ali knew he had some aggression on the battlefield. And he takes his opponent. He was known to be like a very good warrior. Like this was what he was known for. He was known to be such a good warrior that in the very first battle that the Muslims had against the Quraysh, there is a there is a custom that the the uh, Arabs will fight with, and it was called like um, a duel. I guess it's not only a custom to the Arabs, but it's a way that they will fight. So at the beginning of the battle, Badr, what happens is that they call out and they say, "Who wants the duel?" Right? Husband Mubarak, who wants to duel, who wants to go back and forth, basically. 
So it's the Battle of Badr, and there's not a lot of people, there's not a lot of Meccans, but there are a lot of Ansar. So three Ansari men stand up, and when they stand up, the Meccans say, we don't want these people. We don't want these farmers. Bring us the, like, the leaders of Mecca. That's who we want to fight. So in comes Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, Hamza radiallahu ta'ala anhu, and another companion, I'm forgetting his name. But what ends up happening is Ali and Hamza just, their opponents gone easy. Because this, they were warriors. This is how they used to fight. So Ali radiallahu ta'ala anhu, he's, we're downtown, of course, okay? There's no way that you can get through anything without a police or anything, you know? So Ali in this particular battle, he's fighting against his opponent, and he like flips his opponent over, and he, got to, he has him on the ground. And when he has him on the ground, he takes out his sword, his opponent spit in his face. And Ali Radiallahu he then put his sword back, and he backed away. So the opponent said to him, that why would you do that? Like, you had me basically at the perfect place, and if anything, I'm disrespecting you even more, so like that would have earned basically being killed, right? Ali radiallahu ta'ala, he says that at the beginning when I was fighting you, I was fighting for the sake of Allah, I was fighting for the sake of God. But when you spit in my face, that made me angry. And now I was fighting to take out my own aggression, right? That balance there is why, because he's trying to get a hold of his anger. Did he say like what you did was okay? No, he didn't say that. He said that I didn't want to take out my anger on you, and that's why I stopped myself. So Ali Radiallahu who is one of those companions of the Prophet that shows us how to exhibit anger, actually have it, but get it under control, right? And we said that the Prophet there were times that he got angry in very serious matters. It's to the point where there's a book called the, there's a portion of the, of the um, Hadith, and it's called the Shama'il. And the Shema'il shows the different characteristics of the Prophet, the different ways that the Prophet looked. You know, it gives a description of the Prophet, all of these different how he slept, who he like, who he was like, uh, when he would talk, how did he talk, how did he pray, all of these different things. And in the Shema'il, the collection, you also find that they talk about how the Prophet will look when he was angry. And they say that. The Prophet said, when he would be upset, he would turn red and he had a vein that would come out of his forehead. That's how they knew he was upset. Which means that this person, in his honor, and how much we have reverence for him as well as our Prophet, that he get, got upset. Now, how did he deal with it? Well, depending upon the person. Because what people that had more, you would say, more people would require more responsibility. Right? More people that had like levels of like responsibility required for you to be held accountable more in a certain way. So for example, in narrations where situations with Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu someone who spent at least over, uh, over 15 years with the Prophet, learning about good character, learning about how you should carry yourself, learning in the way that you should interact with other people, all of these things. When he would get upset, and he would maybe say something out of line, the Prophet would correct him, right? There's a narration where Abu Bakr Siddiq radiallahu he was scolding someone, one of the helpers of his home. He was yelling at her. He was being really upset with her. And the Prophet comes to him and he says to him, Anta Siddiq, you're known as a Siddiq, the truthful one, the one that good speech come out of your mouth, and this is how you talk? But we also heard just now the story of the Bedouin. The Prophet didn't do anything to them. Why? Because different people are held accountable in different ways. So the Prophet upset 
with Abu Bakr and how he reacts in the time of being upset. Why? Because he should know better, right? And this is also what you see Allah SWT do. Allah SWT tells Abu Bakr Siddiq and Omar bin Khattab, don't raise your voice above the voice of the messenger. Why? Because they know better, right? But literally, three, four ayats down, verses down, Allah SWT is talking about how Bedouins are yelling at the Prophet in the middle of the night, come out of your apartment, come out right now. And Allah SWT says what? Be easy with them, why? Because they don't know no better, right? The Prophet in another narration, there's a narration about Mu'adh bin Jabal, and I really enjoy this narration because it shows where the Prophet's heart is, and it shows where the heart of the companions are, and how the Prophet was someone that would correct behavior with, uh, in a way that's appropriate for each person. So Mu'adh bin Jabal, he was somebody that spent a lot of time underneath the tutelage of the Prophet The Prophet was basically teaching him how to be a leader of his community, and he will later on, 10 years later, be sent to Yemen to go and spread Islam in Yemen, to go and like teach the people of Yemen about Islam. So the Prophet this is early on, it's narrated that uh, Mu'adh bin Jabal, he used to pray with the Prophet that he will go back to his people and he would pray Isha with them. So it says one day, one day he started to recite Surah Baqarah, which is the longest surah in the Quran. Okay, so imagine you're trying to pray for like 10 minutes, you're trying to get out of there. Someone stands up and starts reciting Baqarah. And if for those of you who don't know, Reciting Baqarah may take about an hour and 30 minutes if your Arabic recitation is great. So you're trying to get out of there in 10 minutes, and someone starts with the longest verse, the longest surah. So the guy, so Abu'ad bin Jabal starts with Surah Baqarah. It says, Transarafa Rajul, that a man was there, and he decided to leave the prayer. He was like, <laughs> not today. So he left the prayer, okay? So he says, so Mu'ad bin Jabal came and he started to criticize him. He was like, what is wrong with you? You can't do that. When you see someone praying and you join the prayer, actually, in terms of our legislation, you have to stay in the prayer. So he's like, you can't do that. Like, why'd you do that? So the guy says, let's go to the Prophet you Like, you're telling me I can't do it? Let's go. So they go to Medina. They go to the Prophet and then they tell the Prophet what happened. The Prophet asks what happened. So the Bedouin says, you know, we go in the night and we work. We work all day and we're like tending to sheep and camel and all this stuff. And we come to pray. Like we're coming to do a good deed. We come to pray. And this guy wants to start with Bakara. Okay. So the Prophet turns to Mu'ad bin Jabba and he says to him, Afatana ya Mu'ad. Are you trying to be like, are you trying to cause hardship on people? And he gets upset with him. Why? Because you're a community leader. You have to do better. And so the Prophet then tells him that he says that He tells him that your job and your responsibility is to recite from the shortest parts of the surahs, meaning that you recite in a way that it, people can handle it, right? You pray for the weakest person in the gathering. So these are the times that you see the Prophet getting upset, you know? He's getting upset when it has to do with people being wrong. He's getting upset when it has to do with extremism in religion because that's not what he wants. 
you know, you have another narration with three young men, they come to visit him. And I, I love this narration too. I think it should have told me, heard me say like 800 times, but three young men have come to visit and they can't find him. So they asked the wife of the Prophet what did, tell me about the Prophet's day. Okay, tell me what does he do? So she says he prays here, he sleeps here, he visits people here, basically has a very balanced day. So they go and they say, well, he's guaranteed paradise and we're not. So we have to one up him. Okay. So one of them says that I'm going to pray in the night. Every night, I'm never going to stop. The other one says, you know what? I'm never going to get married because family's a distraction. The other one says, I'm going to fast every day. I'm never going to break my fast. So his wife hears this and he comes home and she says to the prophet that three young men came here and this is what they said. She snitched on them. Okay. She said, this is what they said. And the Prophet says, point me in the direction that they went. And so the Prophet goes there and he says to them, that, Do you think that you're better than me and I'm the messenger of God? He says that I have a family. I pray some nights and I don't pray in others. He says that I fast sometimes and I break it. What is he saying? He says, Satan, Satan, like this is not how you this is not how you do things. The reason why he's upset is because that's created extremism. And he doesn't want that for his ummah. So you see that the Prophet he does exhibit anger, but it's in a very like mild and a very kind way. He doesn't go to them and be like, you guys will never make it to paradise. You're the worst people ever. Get out of here. He doesn't say that. What does he say? Don't do that. He corrects what is wrong and he leaves it as that. He says what is huck, what is true, what is fact, and he leaves it as that. Now, when it comes to letting go of anger, there's so many virtues that are attached to it. And so to Ali Imran, which is the third chapter in the Quran, verse number 134, Allah is talking about the people of paradise. And then he says, As for the people who restrain their anger, and they forgive people. You restrain your anger, you hold it, you put it together, you tie it up, right? All these things have an understanding of doing what? Getting your emotion together. You get your emotion together, you tie it up, and and they are also people that are part, they pardon other people. That know that God loves those who do good. These are considered to be good things. They're considered to be things that help you to evolve into the best form of yourself. Similarly, the Prophet says that man that whoever is able to have their anger under control, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will seize, will take away the punishment from him. And whoever is able to kind of control their mouth, control their tongue, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will seal for that person like the things that they should cover, like their sins. And whoever asks for forgiveness or says sorry or, you know, basically like apologizes to God, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will accept that person's, forget that a person's apology. And what this narration is saying is that there's immense blessing that you get out of forgiving and out of being, being, uh, being, not being angry towards someone, right? When you let your anger get the best of you, what you've done is you let shaitan win. Let's just be honest, right? Because once your anger gets the best of you, it's very difficult to see the light. It's very difficult to see like, okay, I should stop here. You always take it too far. In another narration, a companion came to the Prophet 
And he said to the Prophet Sallam, that Qala Ya Rasulullah, he said, O Messenger of Allah, Sell me something that will give me like the most benefit. And he says that something that will like take me to Jannah. Like I want to just go to paradise. That's it. And the Prophet son for Qala Rasulullah Sallam, that the Messenger Sallam, he said to him, La Tagadab, La Tagadab, La Tagadab. Do not let your anger get the best of you. Do not let your anger get the best of you. Do not let your anger get the best of you. People think that being an angry person is where strength is. And that's not the case. The Prophet says, Laysa shadidu bisuru'a. That strength is not in having a level of anger and like knocking people over, wrestling. That's not where strength is. He says, well, I cannot shadida. Rather, where strength is, it is the one who is able to have mamluk means a sense of ownership. Yamliku, they have ownership, like they're a king or they're a queen over their anger. Like that means that who's in charge, you're in charge. Not your anger, not that that emotion, it's not taking the best of you. So these are the reasons why it's important for us to have these things under control. Because one, they help make us a better person. And two, whenever we get angry and we lash out, we always end up doing much worse than the situation itself. So then you have to ask yourself, am I better than the one that's wronged me? Because now we're in the same running. We're in the same boat, right? So they're, they're, I like to give practical things, tips as we close off on how to like deal with it. So there are three things that are important in going about dealing with anger. The first thing is that you should focus on preventative measures. We are very reactive people because we're human beings and we love to procrastinate, okay? So we react to everything. But it's important to be proactive. And proactive means that you need to think about the things that are your trigger. What triggers you to be upset, you know? And you need to work through those things. Now, if you realize that everything triggers you, then you may have what? An anger problem. Yes, a little bit of an issue, maybe a lot of bit of an issue. And it's important for you to get it in check. It's important for you to work on it. It's important for you to make sure that you're the one in control and not your emotions, right, in that sense. The second thing is that when you're in a state of active anger, that it's important for you to do a couple things. The first thing is to speak in a kind manner. Doesn't mean you lie, okay? Doesn't mean you lie. It means you speak in a kind manner. And I, I like to quote this narrate this ayah because it's so interesting what Allah SWT says. Musa salam and Harun are going to talk to objectively the worst human to ever walk the face of this earth. Right? Pharaoh killed babies. There is nothing worse than that. Like he killed babies and he was okay with it. And no one objected to it. No one said no. And even after all was said and done, he still deemed himself to be greater than God, right? So objectively, these are qualities that are not good in a person. He was the worst person to walk the face of the earth, which is why Allah SWT literally says that when he died, he saves his body for people to see how terrible of a person he was. Now, if you know someone's a bad person and they do bad things, you want to speak to them, you feel like they deserve to be spoken to any kind of way, right? Allah tells Musa, go to Fidel. 
you and your brother. Go to Fidon. You will think that God will say, go and like slap him in the face as soon as you see him because of how terrible a human he is. But what Swantara says, Go you and your brother with our signs. And do not be lazy in our remembrance, in my remembrance. And then he says, Go to Fir'aun because he's a tyrant. He crosses people's boundaries. He treats people badly. And then Allah SWT says, And speak to him in a way that is lenient, in a way that is soft, in a way that is kind. Why? Maybe some type of faith may enter into him or he will hold God, he will be afraid of God. He will hold God in true awe and reverence. Like what you don't understand is that maybe you're lashing out at somebody and that person has, that person may be like repented for it. Maybe they've been just waiting to say sorry. Maybe they don't even get it. Maybe they're not even there. Maybe they don't even understand the extent of what they've done. Everyone deserves to be treated with dignity and respect. It does not matter who the person is. It does not matter the situation. It does not matter what happened. Dignity and respect doesn't mean someone is mean to you. You tell them, oh, I'm not upset with you. Because what we said, somebody that doesn't get upset, Imam Shafi says that person is a what? A donkey. If they don't get upset ever, that person is a donkey. Why? Because being upset is a natural emotion. But as much as it's a natural emotion, it's a heightened level of emotion. And so in that time, it doesn't mean that that person no longer deserves for you to talk to them in a nice manner. They deserve that, right? And you deserve it to yourself to not step outside of your character because someone made you upset because then that person has won. The second thing is that the Prophet gives us advice on how to deal with anger. He tells us to change our posture. This is where you get the narrations of if you're upset and you're standing, sit down. If you're sitting down, you should lay down, right? Change your posture. Change your environment. Get out of there. If you can't control your tongue, then go somewhere else where you don't end up doing something that you're going to regret. The third thing is that the Prophet said, he says that shaitan, that anger comes from Satan, comes from the devil. And the devil was created out of fire, right? And what did Imam Ghazali explain anger as? The boiling of the heart with the intention of what? Retaliation. So you boil something by what? Heat. So the Prophet says that shaitan is created out of fire. And if, the, if anger comes from shaitan, he's ignited what? A fire inside of you. So the Prophet says that The way that you extinguish fire is with water. So if that's the case, for if any of you get upset, then you should go and you should pour water on yourself. Calm yourself down. Do something that will help you calm down so that you're able to deal with the situation. None of these narrations say be passive aggressive. None of these narrations say, oh, just act like you forgot about it until the big family meeting happens and then blow up at everybody. <laughs> Doesn't say that. It says what? Before you deal with it, you need to do what? Calm down. Why? Because you need to be able to be in your right mind. Anger takes you out of your character. It takes you out of your right mind. You need to be able to be out of your right mind, uh, in your right mind to be able to deal with it. And last but not least is after the anger has subsided, what do you do? Now, if it's the case that you are able, you should reflect, okay? 
The biggest thing is figure out why you were triggered. Sometimes it's not that deep. I'm just going to be very honest. Sometimes it's actually not that deep. And we're just triggered because we're human and that's what happens. Now, see, is it something that was like actually, like did I actually, should I have actually been upset about this thing or should I not, okay? If it's the case that you weren't supposed to be upset about it, then you need to deal with that. You need to work through it. If it's the case that you were, then you figure out where do I go from here in being able to deal with this person or this situation. The second thing is that if it's the case that you did say something to somebody and you did react to somebody, that you need to go and apologize, right? Because if it's the case that you hurt someone's feelings, even if they're the ones that hurt you first, you still wronged someone, okay? You still wronged that person. So you have a responsibility to humble yourself and apologize, seek forgiveness for having wronged that person. The last thing is that dua is so important. Praying to God to help you with this emotion, to help you rid yourself of not completely of anger, but the reactionary way of being angry. And also that was Mantala, basically um, you make dua for the other person as well. The person that has wronged you, you pray for them. Nothing is more humbling, by the way, than praying for somebody that wronged you. Because why? A part of you doesn't want to pray for them. You're like, I don't want to pray for you to be like happy. You know, I don't want to pray for God to forgive you. But we are people that are working on being better ourselves. And as much as maybe someone else's actions has ignited something within us, our reaction is what we're going to answer for to Allah. So I pray that Allah SWT allows us to benefit from everything that we heard here today. I pray that Allah SWT forgives us all of our shortcomings. And Allah SWT allows us to be people who are able to have our anger under control. I pray that Allah SWT allows us to be people who exhibit the wonderful character that the Prophet taught us to exhibit. I pray that Allah SWT allows us to be people that rid ourselves of even other illnesses that we may have. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika. Nashadu alayhi lahina anta. Nasta'afiru ka'amunatubu ilayk. Jazakallah khairan. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa